This is the What Happened Today podcast, your daily history podcast that tells you what happened on this day in history. Brought to you by the Productive Leisure Network, online, ProductiveLeisureNetwork.com, and on Facebook and Twitter, at ProdLeisure. I'm your host, Will Floyd, and what happened today, December 6th in 1648. Colonel Thomas Pride, accompanied by his regiment of foot, blocked the entrance to Parliament, preventing any members of Parliament from entering who were not in favor of the grandees of the new model army's plan to put King Charles I on trial. The entire event would become known as Pride's Purge, and Pride's Purge was the thing that led to the execution of Charles I. In essence, Pride's Purge was a coup d'etat. The new model army had been the physical army of the parliamentarian side in the English Civil Wars. The Civil Wars had been going off and on since 1642. And at root was the idea that King Charles needed to consult his parliament more consistently and needed to be more accountable to parliament and not rule on his own. He had, in fact, ruled in what was known as the personal rule of Charles V without a parliament for 11 years. This ended in 1640. But in what would become known as the short parliament, he quickly dissolved them. Charles had decided not to call parliament, which technically speaking, according to English constitutional law, he should have, because he felt that they were a restraint on him. Parliament, in theory, had to approve any measures that raised revenue. Charles had found, particularly with ship money, essentially a levy on ships that then got expanded to become a tax on everybody, ways to raise revenue without parliament. But in 1640, he ran out of money enough he had to call them. He didn't get along with Parliament. He almost instantly dissolved them. But they were replaced almost immediately by what became known as the Long Parliament. And the Long Parliament was in place, technically speaking, from 1640 till 1660. But really, from November 1640 until December 1648, the Long Parliament sat as a full parliament and then immediately shifted. And it shifted because of Pride's Purge. While the Parliament was sitting for longer than anyone could remember almost any other Parliament sitting in recent memory at the time, Parliament was fighting against the King. Not in terms of political squabbles, but actually on the battlefield. From 1642 to 1646 in what was known as the First English Civil War, the idea was to bring King Charles to heel. And in order to do this, the Parliamentarian side brought about brand new commanders who had a few things in common, although mostly what joined them was a hatred of the policies of King Charles I. Most of the men in the new model army were from the middle class, rather than being lords and nobles. They also tended to be more likely to be Puritans or even separatists in terms of religion, those who wanted to see a more Presbyterian-style church, as they had in Scotland, rather than the Episcopalian church, favored by Charles in England, and in fact, greatly opposed Charles' reforms, first, to make the Anglican Church even more high church, and then second, to make the Scottish Kirk Episcopalian. But also, what united most of the men of the New Model Army was that they were the strivers. The obvious symbolic choice for a New Model Army leader was Oliver Cromwell, the great general of the New Model Army, who, although he was actually from a somewhat well-off family, his great-uncle had been one of the principal advisors to King Henry VIII. He was not born into the nobility, but rather the gentry. And he was just a member of parliament. 
first elected in 1628 from Huntington, and then representing Cambridge in both the short and long parliaments. He would prove to be a skillful commander, less because he had any great military background, and more because he was the most dedicated and organized commander in the entire English Civil War. King Charles was constantly plagued by poor command. He basically had one good commander, his nephew, Prince Rupert of the Rhine. He rarely listened to him. Additionally, through a series of battles in the First English Civil War, the new model army won out. Charles said he would come back to Parliament, he would listen, he would acquiesce, and then he didn't. In the Second English Civil War, which was fought in 1648 and 1649, Charles decided that he did not need to listen to Parliament after all, and he fled. And that is when members of the new model army, the so-called grandees, not just Oliver Cromwell, but also men like Sir Thomas Fairfax, Henry Ireton, and Thomas Rainsborough were men who gathered themselves together with the idea that they would step up, lead the nation. The problem with the king refusing to acknowledge the parliament's authority even after the First English Civil War created a new problem for the parliamentarians and the New Model Army. Charles had actually successfully divided many of them because they did have slightly different religious beliefs or political outlooks. But the New Model Army had worked together long enough against Charles that they were able to force their way in. And what's astonishing about Pride's Purge is how simple it was for such a dramatic effect. Wanting to bring King Charles on trial for treason against the kingdom he nominally ruled as the monarch was obviously a bit too far for most people. Any royalists in the House of Commons could not be there. And there were even some more moderate figures, certain kinds of Presbyterians, certain people who just did not want to go to the step of deposing the king. And so it was left to Thomas Pride to figure out how to get rid of them. Really, it probably wasn't his idea, but it became his purge because he was the man leading the troops. It is actually unclear where Pride was born or even maybe exactly where he was raised. It was said he was probably brought up in the parish of St. Bride's London, but no one knows anything about him until, as a brewer, he joined the New Model Army and rose up to becoming a colonel. He was in charge of certain sections of the military occupation of London, which is why he was able to go to the Houses of Parliament to actually begin the purge. All he did was put his men on the steps of Parliament and check the lists of MPs against names he had that could be trusted. If they were an untrustworthy MP, he would turn them away. Some were arrested. Many others never showed up as soon as they heard what was going on. It was actually, in many ways, remarkably bloodless. The purge did not really only take place on December 6th. It really stayed for about a week. And in total, 45 members of Parliament were actually imprisoned, although 25 of them would be released even before Christmas, just a few weeks later. The real striking number, though, is that at the end of the purge, only 200 members were able to sit in Parliament when there were 471 active members just before. Those 200 were not necessarily a cohesive unit. 86 would later absent themselves. And then 83 others had to be pulled into the good graces of what was left of Parliament by formally dissenting from the previous decision by Parliament to accept all of the king's proposals. But with what would now be known as the rump Parliament, there was no doubt what would happen to King Charles. He would be put on trial. This was an unnerving thing for most people throughout Europe. There had certainly been regicides, but mostly they were men who then became king. They were dynastic disputes, such as took place in the Wars of the Roses in England. There were battles throughout Europe about who should succeed who. But the idea that a parliament 
the people, could overthrow a king was unheard of. And yet, the Rump Parliament moved extremely fast. On January 4th of the next year, an ordinance was passed to try the king for treason. The House of Lords did not want anything to do with it, but the House of Commons went ahead, held him on trial, and beheaded King Charles I on January 30th. Just a week later, on February 6th, the House of Lords was abolished. The next day, the monarchy was officially abolished, although, it should be said, Charles's oldest son and heir, who now would be styled Charles II by any royalist supporters, had already fled from England. Probably the people involved were only about 70, the actual number of regicides who signed a document, numbered 59. And what really the execution of Charles I led to was a republic declared, that there would be a republic in England led by the parliament who had executive and legislative authority. This did not work for a number of reasons, and Oliver Cromwell would step up to lead the government in what would become known as the Commonwealth of England, and Cromwell taking the title of Lord Protector. But Cromwell was only able to become Lord Protector because King Charles I had been executed, and King Charles I had only been executed because of Pride's Purge. And that memory stuck with people by when 1660, well over a year after the death of Oliver Cromwell, when his son Richard proved incapable of continuing his rule, the monarchy was restored, with King Charles II coming back from exile, mostly in France. Upon this, many of the regicides were condemned, including Colonel Thomas Pride, who, although he was a minor figure for most things, was placed alongside Oliver Cromwell and Henry Ireton and John Bradshaw. Ireton was a general and Cromwell's son-in-law. Bradshaw was the judge who presided over the court. Cromwell, of course, was the main figure in all the movement. And then there was Thomas Pride. He actually escaped the fate of the bodies of Cromwell, Ireton, and Bradshaw, who were given posthumous executions because Pride's body had decayed too much. The living regicides were hanged, drawn, and quartered if they received the worst punishment, while others were simply imprisoned for life. Mostly, these were the men who led the charge. They were the men who commanded at a high level, but included with them was the colonel who began it all by taking his regiment of foot to the top of the stairs of Parliament and waiting. And because Thomas Pride was the one who conducted the purge, the event that directly led to the trial and execution of Charles I would become known as Pride's Purge. And it is what happened today, December 6th in 1648. That will do it for today's episode, but as always, please check back in tomorrow for a brand new episode because we are a daily history podcast and we do put out a new episode each and every day. You can also find all of our episodes on our website, ProductiveLeisureNetwork.com and on iTunes and Stitcher. And if you are listening to us on either iTunes or Stitcher, please subscribe to this podcast, leave a rating and leave a review because those are the ways you can help us to get onto charts and be heard by brand new listeners. You can also help us out a bit more directly by going to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash productive leisure, and becoming one of our patrons. At Patreon, patrons give small monthly contributions to support ongoing creative work, like a podcast network. So if you want to hear more of the What Happened Today podcast or any other Productive Leisure Network podcast, please go to patreon.com slash productive leisure and become one of our patrons today. You can also follow us for updates on everything to do with the Productive Leisure Network on Facebook and Twitter at prod leisure. Thanks for listening and see you tomorrow.